What do you eat for breakfast most days? Eggs, avocado, mushrooms, sweet potato. What's your favorite go-to snack? Apple with nut butter of some sort or any kind of fruit and eggs and mayonnaise. What's your favorite takeout food? Oh, um, Mexican naked burrito bowls, some sort of Turkish chicken or lamb kebabs with salad. And I do have a thing for sushi. Yum. What are your top favorite three pantry items? Fish sauce, honey, and almond meal or almond flour. And, and do you have any kitchen gadgets you just can't live without? I love my Instant Pot and my Vegetables Paralyzer. And I do use my Magic Bullet for smoothies quite a lot. Hey, Tedra. Hey, Jade. We're going international today. We're interviewing Irina Macri of Eat, Drink, Paleo. She's an Australian food blogger. And a two-time cookbook author, along with several ebooks. Yeah, she's a pretty cool chick, you guys. She's a rock climber, cooks, travels the world. At the end of the show, she's actually going to tell us about a pretty big adventure she's about to embark on, and you won't want to miss it. She really believes in just getting out of your comfort zone and living your adventure. For years, we've all been following some of the most inspiring bloggers and social media influencers online. Simply put, we get inspired. The next best thing to following our favorite influencers is hearing their stories straight from them. So listen in as we get to know Irina. Okay. Hi, Irina. Hi. <laughs> this is Jade. We're getting into <laughs> Yeah, it's quick. So now we're getting into just some regular conversation. I can't wait to get to know you. So tell me, where are you right now? I'm currently in London, but I was in Australia maybe about a week ago. Okay, so I was reading on your blog that you sort of split your time between the two, but you also travel quite a bit. How does that work? Like how how long of the year are you in Australia? Yeah, so uh, I do travel quite a lot. I I tend to, it kind of varies, but I tend to do most of the year in London as my base, but I do go to Australia for summer and that can be, you know, I just did two months back in Australia and so I do go back to visit family and friends and I've got quite a lot of work connections there. Obviously, I'm quite well known there in the blogging community as well, so that's sort of work-related stuff. And then I'd travel quite a lot in Europe for the outdoors and just to go into different countries, research food, that sort of thing. So yeah, I'm all over the place. Mm, sounds awesome. So you're originally from Ukraine? Yes, I was born there and I moved to Australia when I was uh, 16, I think. Yeah, that'd be right. Okay. And I think I read that your father was an Olympian? Or Olympic qualified? Yes. Good researcher. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So my dad was uh, qualified for the 1980 Olympics, which were held in Moscow, I believe. And he was a triple jumper in athletics. And he, I can't remember what happened. I think he didn't go, he had an injury a month or so before the Olympics, but he did get to run through the country with the Olympic torch and oh, wow. um, growing up because you get a you get a, a copy of the torch to keep. And mm. he did have a, the Olympic uniform and the torch in my house and that was a cool thing to pull out whenever, whenever my friends came to a party, a birthday party. We always lit up the, uh, we didn't light up the torch, but we played with it, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I, I assume your family sort of instilled the desire to be outside and athletic and... Travel. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I'm quite lucky with that. And I'm so grateful to both my mom and dad because they brought me up quite open to try different things outside and sport wise. And, you know, they, in a way, they didn't force me into doing sports, but, 
you know, was something that I did growing up and I did swimming and I tried tennis uh, and we did a lot of just general outdoor activities like camping and going to the beach and um, swimming together. Um, And both my parents were athletes uh, as well. So yeah, it was just something that was just normal really. Love it. Love it. So did you learn how to cook at an early age? Did you always want to cook or how did that become an important part of your life? Yeah, I think it's probably part of my culture because, um, I mean, growing up, it, it's it's what the families do. You know, you get together at a table. Kids would often cook with their grandmothers and their mothers and sisters and fathers. Both my parents are really good cooks. My grandmother was an amazing cook. And so I spent quite a lot of time watching her uh, make food uh, and also make food with them. And of course, all the holidays always involve a lot of eating and sitting around the table together and making food for the celebrations and then also enjoying food afterwards. So um, wonderful. So, yeah. And it's, I think also because back at the day, like at the time when I was growing up in Ukraine, which was early 1980s, we didn't have very much uh, fast food or sort of, you know, eating out at restaurants and takeout it wasn't very common. So mm-hmm. most people would cook from scratch at home. So, so did you have a garden growing up? Yeah, so my mom had uh, my mom was and still is quite an avid gardener. So she her and my dad grew everything from vegetables to fruit trees and berries. So we definitely had a lot of our own food. My grandmother was uh, a forager, so she loved going mushroom picking and berry picking in the forest. That was actually wow. one of my favorite things to do growing up. It was so cool. I would go, you know, in, on the weekends, we would take a train out to the, the local forest, the woods, and we'd go and pick mushrooms and berries and come back and then cook up a meal. And she was uh, she was <laughs> luckily very good at knowing her mushrooms as well. Wow. So we, Sounds like some without, south of France <laughs> story. <right>. Yeah. <laughs> No, but that's 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 something I definitely grew up with, and I still love doing it as a result. So whenever I'm outdoors, I always I'm the one, the crazy one that goes and finds some some food somewhere. <laughs> so your grandmother was Ukrainian, yes, and yes, so right, yeah. you grew up eating Ukrainian food primarily. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I didn't really, you know, I never tried an avocado or oysters or mangoes or any of that sort of. Uh, food until I came to Australia. I've never had McDonald's or, or wow. any kind of fast food <laughs> until I was, you know, 16 or so. So, but then it was like when I moved to Australia, it was just crazy the amount of um, food that there was available to you. But was it a culture uh, shock to move? Yeah, it was probably a shock to my body as well because all of a sudden I was eating a lot of processed food, you know, which, which is not something I was used to. In a way, I guess the novelty of it was pretty exciting to be able just to go out. And I remember going to the supermarket for the first time. And, you know, at the time I was just fascinated by the amount of stuff that you could get, like the bright, colorful packaging and uh, all the different cuisines that you could get access to, you know, the ingredients and whatnot. And I remember sending photos back to my friends uh, and family back in Ukraine and just showing them the shopping basket, you know, the trolley of stuff. And um, yeah, but then, you know, now I've kind of gone back to real food and I really appreciate my roots and the way that we've been brought up because actually the way that I used to eat growing up is exactly the way that I eat now, which is kind mm-hmm. of gone around full circle. So, so yeah. perfect segue. That's what I wanted to hear. So you move when you're 16 to Australia and then I assume you did university and I think you had a career, pretty serious career. So kind of walk us through the career and then the switch into food blogging. 
Yeah. So I was, gosh, I think I would have been 30 when I decided to switch to food blogging. Up until then, uh, so I studied digital media at university and I actually wanted to be a filmmaker. You know, I I did a little bit of that uh, just after uni. I had gap year in Germany, in Berlin, and I was trying to be an artist and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, (laughs) But then I needed money, so I got a job (laughs) and somehow fell into the world of online kind of internet stuff, media and journalism and I was in that world, uh, sort of a more corporate side of things for close to 10 years, eight to 10 years. But then when I turned 30, I started to really miss making things or doing things. You know, I was in management position and I was managing big teams and big budgets and doing big projects, but I wasn't actually doing things. And that that's one side of the story. And then in parallel to that, I was also discovering paleo and sort of that real food kind of philosophy and approach. And, you know, as you turn 30, you really start to want to look after your health and well-being more so. I mean, I've always been interested in that, but I sort of started really getting into it at that time. My mom was sick and, you know, it was kind of all making me want to explore different eating options and making sure that I looked after myself. And so I found paleo and yeah, one thing led to another. I was sick of my job. I wanted to do something different. I loved cooking. I've always loved cooking and it was something as, you know, that I was quite good at. And all of a sudden I was eating in this new way that was, I guess, you know, I was discovering all these new dishes and recipes and cooking a lot of new stuff. And yeah, I think I just decided to start a blog. I think I read a book called The Four Hour Work Week by uh, Tim Ferriss. Oh, yeah, Ferriss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that might have been a little bit earlier. I think I was already exploring, you know, when you like know that there's more to life than just yes. being in an <laughs> office cubicle, right? It was, yep. it was kind of that, that was going on for like two or three years in my mind. And I kept thinking there's got to be something else I can do because I just, I can't do this forever. And, okay, and um, hang on a second. I want yeah. to back up. So your mom, right around the same time, is sick. What was going on with her, if you are comfortable telling us? Oh, sure. So my mom had cancer. She had two cancers, um, oh, kind of back-to-back. She's she's fine now. She's in remission, which is great. Wow. But, yeah, it was a bit of a – it was it all happened in the same year, so it was really quite um, overwhelming. And, you know, she was – she's 70 this year, but she was – I guess this was 2008, I think – you know, she's really active and quite healthy and eats well and everything. So it was a bit of a, you know, a shock to all of us. Shock. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it, it made everybody think a little bit more about lifestyle and food as a, you know, as factors potentially in something like that. Not that it is caused by that specifically, but there are definitely, you know, ways to look after yourself and eat a certain way that helps you to, you know, optimize your uh, health. And so, yeah, it was it was all kind of interconnected at the time, I suppose, you know, all these things were happening. And um, so it was like a personal exploration plus the job that was making me quite stressed. And, you know, I was really unhappy in my last job. It was sort of like I was on the verge of <laughs> quitting and yeah, and just all one thing led to another. And I just discovered, you know, I was familiar with blogs and food blogs and everything. And I think I even tried having uh, like running a little food blog, but it wasn't anything serious. And mm. at the time I just thought, oh gosh, you know, I think maybe somebody suggested you should document your recipes and yeah, so I started my food blog, Eat, Drink, Paleo, and that was 2012 or 2011. I can't remember now. Wow. And, not that um, long ago. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, I'll do this, I don't know, I'll do this for a year or something and see how it goes. Um, and I did it for a few months and then decided that actually 
if I wanted to really make a go of this, I would, I would need to really quit my job and um, dedicate more time to it. So luckily, you know, I had a bit of some savings and then my partner, who's always been super supportive of everything I do and, you know, he just said, I'll help you out financially, just give it a go and see what happens. So That's amazing. Yeah, so I just decided, decided to take a leap of faith and, um, and see, you know, and go for it. Did you have that job waiting for you? Like if it didn't work out in a year, did you have that job? No, that you I didn't. Go back to? I, I left it. That's quite the leap. <laughs> yeah, it was quite, there was no, you know, I had some savings. I had, uh, I've had a part-time job like two days a week in the gallery. And mm. um, I think I might've taken up a contract job for like two, three months in between and, and whatnot. So it was, yeah, it was, it was quite you know, it took, it took a lot of thinking about it for a while and deciding whether I wanted to do it and, you know, multiple conversations with different people about it. And finally I just did it. And yeah, and I'm really glad that I did. I'm I'm so happy that I just had the guts to do it. (laughs) And were you happy that first year? Like, were you right away, you knew this is um, this is going to be a good decision? I was, I was already happy when I left because as soon as I started doing um, the blog and just cooking and, and playing around in the kitchen and taking photos, it was like I've, I was fish in the water. Like I was in, in the place that I wanted to be in. It just felt natural. Mm-hmm. I loved the flexibility that, that it gave me, the freedom. I was very, you know, had to live quite frugally that year because, you know, I didn't yeah. really have spare savings. So it was a... Uh, but financially, you know, I was in a very lucky position because I did, I was living with a partner who was also helping me out. So it's probably a little bit different for people that are going completely solo. So, um, you know, I have to mention that, but not to say that you couldn't do it. You know, there are ways around it and people do it yeah, part-time people and do it. yeah, on the weekends and whatnot. Did you, um, so you had the, the background in the digital world. Did you build your site from scratch or did you get help with all of that? You do, I think you do all your own photography, I read. Yeah, yeah. So I do all my uh, my own photos. So doing um, my degree, I, I did specialize in photo imaging and I did a bit of photography back at school. Um, but I didn't really get into food photography, which is actually a, like a different beast altogether. Uh, you can be mm. a photographer, but doing food photography is slightly different, I think. I was quite lucky. I actually got work experience with a food photographer and a food stylist back in Australia. I did a three-day, I just basically, I got a contact through a colleague of mine and showed up at the studio and just watched them work (laughs) and did the dishes. And uh, and it was amazing. He was was very generous with his knowledge uh, and tips and and just watching them, um, you know, do everything, it was really, really inspiring. So with my site, I actually, I think, uh, you know, you can get a theme, like you can get a site out of the box, so to speak, these days and, mm-hmm. and customize it. But I think at the time I wanted a particular look and feel and I wanted, you know, a certain certain things on the website. So I just begged all my friends, anyone who knew anything <laughs> about coding or design or anything, I just, I just use them all. I mean, I, luckily I have fantastic friends who were just, they were so excited about me, I guess, following my passion and doing this that 
everybody just volunteered their time to help out with, you know, bits and pieces. So I basically, you know, promised that if one day I make it and I have some money financially, I'll pay them back. But yeah, I think people just helped me out in any way they could. Well, it sounds like true friendship. You know, they supported you. They wanted you to do what was going to make you free in life and they were going to help you. Yes. And I hope that just seeing me happier in general around them (laughs) was good enough. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I do throw a lot of dinner parties. So I think I'm talking about food all the time. Yeah. Was it sort of a slow grow as far as financial and followers and stuff, or did something happen overnight for you? I wish I could say something happened overnight, but uh, <laughs> I can tell you one thing. There is no such thing as passive income. You know, mm. that is a lie. <laughs> you know, it took me much quicker, actually, to grow my audience than I thought. You know, I set up some goals, which I think is important to do. Otherwise, you never really get anywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. and I set up some targets, you know, they were really modest in terms of, you know, how many, you know, how much traffic I wanted to get to my site, how much, you know, how many people, uh, how many readers I wanted to get. I think I reached that target within the first six months. And so, you know, it was like an, like a one year goal. And so after six months, I was like, "Mm, okay, cool. I might have to rethink that. (laughs) Um, and I think I was just, you know, the right place, right time, talking about the right thing. It was basically that. I think at the time, another reason why I started my blog back then was also because I was searching for things online and most paleo related information and recipes were coming out of the US. So at the time I thought Mm. I'll start a blog um, for Australian audience because there weren't enough resources and, you know, we have slightly different seasons and whatnot. And also I didn't at the time, there weren't that many food blogs. There were lots of like the books and sort of diet related um, mm-hmm. things, but not many great recipe sites. I mean, now it's completely different. Uh, but right, uh, right. Yeah. And so I thought, gosh, I mean, I think that there's a niche here that I could fulfill because, you know, I, I can cook good dishes and I can take photos. And that's kind of how it started. But I didn't realize that my audience would be so global. You know, all of a sudden I had visitors from all over the world and I realized that I wasn't just going to be targeting Australians. Yeah. And so, I mean, one thing that a lot of our guests say is that like an unexpected item of the blogging world is that you get all these amazing friendships that you didn't really expect internationally a lot of times. Oh, yeah. The amount of not just bloggers that I've met virtually and in person, but my own readers. I mean, I've got, I think, maybe 20 people on Facebook that have become personal friends of mine and that, that I'm in contact with on a regular basis. You know, I have people that have followed me from the first, you know, those first six months up until now, and it's been, what, about six years now, I think. And they've, mm-hmm. you know, they've bought every single cookbook that I've released. They've, they've tried all my meal plans. They've been my biggest fans and ambassadors. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's incredible that I've touched their lives and they've touched mine in the process as well. Um, yeah, builds so, energy to keep going. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, you know, I know people in so many cities and places. It's it's always great to, you know, because I travel so much, I can just arrange a coffee or a lunch with someone. So, yeah, it's did um cool. Did Australians really cling on to paleo the way America did just later? Yes, they did. It was quite huge. And interestingly enough, you know, started in Australia – moved to the UK, it's nowhere near as big in the UK as it is in mm. Australia and uh, America. And in Australia, it's still quite popular. It's a, it's a bit more mainstream than it used to be. You know, it used to be this sort of underground kind of movement that <laughs> right. very few people knew about. Yes. 
And then, right. yeah, and then I think what happened in Australia is we have a, a pretty uh, famous celebrity chef on television and he somehow, I don't know how he discovered paleo, I don't really know his story there, but he kind of made paleo this huge controversy and in some ways he made it really famous as well. So, yeah, there was this huge uptake in paleo sort of world around the time that he came on the scene as well. And it sort of stayed, it sort of evolved more into kind of real food mm-hmm. approach. And, you know, people still refer to it as paleo, but others just call it real food, natural eating, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But <laughs> Have you heard of Whole30? Yes, Whole30 again. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's we're all about Whole30 yeah, over here. <laughs> totally, yeah. So, and Whole30 is probably not as big in Australia, but it is mm-hmm. it's huge in America and I mean, it's, it's a great, great program. So, yeah. Well, I went into paleo kicking and screaming. I had a whole bunch of buddies when I was in the Air Force preaching it day in and day out. And I remember just having such a negative attitude towards it. You guys are living on bacon and steak. (laughs) And then it really wasn't until I had my own health issues and scares that I decided to give it a try. And then really the benefits are just, you can't ignore them. They're too powerful. You can. And I think paleo is really, you know, I always say to people, it's not a destination. It's not like a final point. It's a journey. It's a really good start as, as it's whole 30 or paleo, whatever you, you want to call mm-hmm. it. But, you know, just doing it as a reset and just allowing your body and your system to have a break from processed foods just allows you to then figure out what your triggers and allergies and sensitivities are. You know, you don't need to do paleo forever and do it 100%. But if you can just try it and and use it as a bit of a, you know, as a springboard into healthy eating, I think it's very powerful in that way. Yes. I totally agree. I love on your blog, you say, I'm just a regular chick who likes a glass of wine and chocolate occasionally. (laughs) So your philosophy is sort of more 80-20? Definitely. Yeah. Um, That's probably what I'm known for in the paleo community. And I have my critics and that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) You be you. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about your cookbooks. You've got two cookbooks, correct? Yes, yeah, so I've got two printed published cookbooks. My and first one, and I've got a bunch of like ebooks and meal plans mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. So my first one is called Idrin Paleo Cookbook. I know it's not a very original name, but it's just how it is. <laughs> it's <laughs> descriptive. Exactly. That was my that that has an incredible story around it. When I was in the first year of blogging still, I decided to do an ebook. I decided to crowdfund it because I needed some money to pay for uh, design and editors and just to get food styling props and all of that stuff and just to leave on something. So I, I did a crowdfunding campaign and surprisingly I raised quite a bit of money for that cookbook. Like a Kickstarter kind yeah, of deal? like a Kickstarter, yeah. Yeah, and, I, you know, it was a bit of a like a, a prototype testing as well because most of the people that supported that were not my friends and family. So they were my readers. Nice. Yeah, so it was cool to know that um, they were interested in me putting this together and also having a bit of a public expectation and a deadline because people have, you know, given me money to make this was a real uh, motivator to actually make this book. It was done completely, it was completely self-published, so we... We had dinner parties at my house because we shot all the recipes with like 10, 14 dishes a day. Friends came over to help out with the dishes, to eat the food. I had friends working with me. Um, 
you know, I had a great friend who came. She did all the beautiful chalk lettering that the book is really famous for and that started that whole trend of chalk with food around it. Yeah, and we we did everything together and um, in the end people wanted a printed version and so it went from being an e-book to becoming a printed book and for almost a year and a half I was printing on my own and I had to learn everything about publishing, which was completely oh, new to me, and how to, you know, post, you know, distribute books and all of that sort of things. I then ended up; it was quite successful, sort of in its own, just being self-published. I think mm-hmm. and that's when I actually started making some money from blogging was through that book. But then two years later, I got approached by Penguin. Australia and they wanted to do another book with me. Then they kind of took on Edring Paleo Cookbook under their wing as well. And uh, it was incredible because they managed to republish it in mul- in multiple languages. And Penguin's a huge publisher. I mean, yeah. That's- and they, I mean, when I got an email, I was like, hell yeah. What? Oh, yeah, I want to work with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll think about it. Let's see. Yeah, exactly. Uh, second book. Wow. Penguin, yes. And yeah, so we did a second book together, which is a book called Happy Go Paleo. And that book is a little bit of a reflection of my own evolution through paleo. And it really kind of highlights that 80-20 approach and how to introduce some foods that are not, you know, specifically paleo as such, but how do you, how can you add them into your diet so that it's more sustainable, more flexible, more accessible. And, like uh, legumes or dairy or something? Yeah, so a little bit of quinoa, a little bit of dairy, a little bit of rice, buckwheat, that sort of mm. thing. And so is the first cookbook pretty, like, strict paleo, and then the second one's kind of more the 80-20. Yeah, the first book, even though it does have like maybe a handful of recipes that have some dairy, so they're more primal, but Mm -hmm. it's primarily paleo and kind of guides people through paleo per se. The second one is more just kind of real food approach, and it's focused on complete meals. That's another cool sort of, I guess, unique point about it is that mm-hmm. all the recipes are put together as meals that you can make rather than just an individual like sides and vegetables and this and that you can oh, open, I love that. yeah you can open a section and there are categories that cover everything from quick weeknight meals then budget meals weekend feasts I mean at least for me I feel like that's what that's what I need that's what the mom needs the the working woman, you just like tell me how to get a good solid meal on the table, on the table that's healthy yeah. Yeah. and not going to take you forever. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the because there are so many great recipes, but then you're like, oh, I'm going to make these this chicken dish, and then what am I going to serve with the chicken mm-hmm. dish? And then you have to go and find something else. And I guess with that particular book, I really wanted to create meals that are balanced and have you know right amount of vegetables and all of that stuff. So it's got a lot of nutritional kind of aspect to it as well. Great. But yeah, I want to check that cookbook cookbooks. out. Yeah. So tell us, do you have any meals that show up in your weekly rotation? Yeah, good question. Yeah, I do I do one that often comes up. I do crispy skin salmon on mm. in the frying pan with baked sweet potatoes and a coleslaw. Like that's that's like a really nice Yum. dish that we have often. Um, do you finish the salmon in the oven? I'm really trying to perfect the salmon dish, no, and I cannot no, seem to do it. Doesn't need to go in the oven. You know, it's three four minutes on skin side down, and then another minute or two on the other side. It's getting and that's nice it. lovely pink in the middle. Yeah, it's mm, super yeah. easy. Yeah, and then I do I do like a good curry, pretty good curries. So a little bit of curry with you know cauliflower rice. That's that's quite because I've got an instant pot. So I'll Me often too. Um, yeah, I'll often just make it during the day so that it's 
quick and easy to to serve in the evening. So good curry, yeah. I love curry. It's that's a weekly deal for, yeah. for me as well. Curries and um, stews, that's just that's yes. always on the go. Yeah. They're yummy, they're warm, especially in the winter. Yeah. Do you have a favorite cookbook? Yes, I do. I so I really like Jamie Oliver. Um mm, I do too. And I do like his cookbooks a lot. I think I've always kind of I thought, you know, if I if I ever publish books and when my publisher was asking me, so you know, do you have any stylistic references and who do you like? I would be like Jamie Oliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like Nom Nom Paleo. I think she has really good yes. books. Um and just she's just a cool chick in general. I mean, what else do I use quite a lot? In Australia we have Sarah Wilson. She has a book called Simplicious and that's mm. a pretty cool cookbook as well. Sarah Wilson? Yeah, she uh, I Quit Sugar. She did that. Oh, that sounds program. familiar. Yeah, that might be. I'm pretty sure she's got books in, in America. She must, yeah, mm. definitely. Awesome. But that's a really nice cookbook as well. Uh, there are a few. I mean, I'm, I'm like a, I have a lot of cookbooks. Yeah. I'm, I'm, which I, I is do too. so strange because I actually don't have, currently I don't have a place to live. I'm about to move into a van. And so I, what? I'm storing my books in different countries with different people, but they're like, it's like the only thing that I really Okay, keep. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait a second, back up. You're going to live out of a van? <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about that. So, segue. Yeah, so my partner and I, we decided to, okay, so this is like, it's like a pattern in my life, it seems, is that every few years we pick up and go somewhere completely new. So, you know, for four and a half years ago, we five years ago, we sold everything that we own and got rid of all of our stuff and we downsized to two backpacks and we t- went traveling. This was 2013. This is when oh. I published my book. <laughs> oh, wow. So I was traveling and working on my book and printing it in Germany and doing all that stuff. But that year we bought a van in Austria and we traveled through Europe for about three months in that van. And it mm. was a small little Volkswagen T4 but we loved it. It was like the best time ever. We're both oh. from London, so it was just really fun way to see all different countries and spend time outdoors. Anyway, fast forward to last year, we decided that we need a change of scenery after four years in London and mm-hmm. we decided to buy a new van. We sold the other van ages ago, but we decided to buy a bigger van and convert, it, and convert it into a home on wheels. So we're actually building it from scratch with a kitchen and a bed and everything. You guys are? So Yeah, we are, yeah. yeah I just came <laughs> Love out. it. We, we just built a bed today. How exciting is that? <laughs> My word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think about two weeks from now we're going to hit the road um, and we're going to travel for we – don't, we don't really have a timeline, but – probably for a year, I think, and oh yeah, through Europe. Uh, and hopefully I'm going to work on a new cookbook while I'm doing that because I want to really kind of take the time to explore um, certain cuisines and regions and get inspiration from different places that we go to. while living. I'm getting van. so inspired. <laughs> You're inspiring me. Okay, wait, a couple more questions. Um, where are your top two places you're most excited to see? Croatia. I've never been to Croatia and we're probably mm. going to spend a little bit of time there. Ooh, okay. Spain. I mean, I've been to Spain, I don't know, like gazillions of times, um, but I'm, I'm <laughs> still pretty excited to go there. I do love Spain. Um, yeah, a lot of Eastern Europe. I think we'll probably do quite a bit of, you know, Bulgaria, Romania, Croatia, like all that kind of region. Back to your roots a bit. Yeah, I mean, Ukraine's really close. We'll probably drive through there as well. 
but the countries that I haven't been to sort of that around that around that side of the world kind of excited by that I think there's beautiful beautiful national parks there and the coast mm. and yeah excited to well try the um did you say third third cookbook yeah I mean I've been thinking about it for a little while I think after my Do second it. book because you know they're big projects they're really like once mm. I get into it it's sort of like like everything else falls to the sidelines. So I, I really needed to have a break in between. So it's been about two and a half years since the last cookbook. And mind you, in the meantime, I mean, I've published multiple ebooks and meal plans and programs and all that stuff. But a cookbook is like a special thing that you do. Like, and I really, like I really get into it and all the details yeah, of it and everything. So I, I really need to be ready mentally to do another cookbook. And, well, you've got a and, year of traveling yeah, to so soak I'm it all do up. Yeah, so slowly more. this time. My last one, you know, like I had a really crazy deadline, so I had to put it together mm-hmm. really quickly, whereas this time I really want to kind of test everything out, kind of try different things, developed, and yeah, just, yeah. So, so exciting. Bit of a slow, slow food cookbook. This would be cold. <laughs> well, Irina, thanks for talking to me. I'm so inspired listening to you. You're such a person who just decides there's a problem. I need to fix it and I'm going to go change things and do it. I love it. That pretty much sums me up. <laughs> yeah. And you're just real. So thanks so much for talking with me today. No, you're more than welcome. It's my pleasure. So we're going to switch gears a little bit and just ask you some fun Q&A questions. And I'll just get right into it. So what's one or two tips that you could just share with the listeners? It can be about food or it can be about your personal life, anything. Okay, so about food, or and it, this can apply to paleo or any other sort of eating approach or diet that you're following. And I always say this is don't focus on what you can't eat, focus on everything that you can. And that refers to the fact that even though you're eliminating certain foods from your diet for various reasons, there's still so many other amazing ingredients out there that you can you can cook with. So just focus on that instead. And maybe, yeah, just follow your passion and travel a lot. You know, I know so many people that never leave their little crack, you know, their little pocket. I think that traveling really is one of those things that opens your mind and and it changes your mindset, you know, your view on the world and how you see yourself, how you see others. So travel lots while you can. If I call you at 9 a.m. on any given day, what are you most likely doing? Drinking coffee <laughs> and mm-hmm. probably checking my emails or maybe doing my yoga practice. What is something that people would be surprised to know about you? I really like rock climbing. And I'm about to leave in a van. I guess a lot of people don't know that about me. (laughs) When you decide you're unplugging at the end of the night, how do you decompress? I go climbing or I do a little yoga practice. Otherwise, I probably choose a hot bath with a good book or a movie. Sometimes I even watch in the bath. It's pretty cool. Who are three people that you love to follow on Instagram? I like Nom Nom Paleo for all the paleo yumminess. Melissa Hartwig of Whole30, uh, she's co-founder. She's always got some crazy gym workouts or inspiring outdoors pictures that she she has. And um, maybe Symmetry Breakfast for Total Food Porn. Just really cool food styling photos. Are you reading a book that you just can't put down? 
Oh, uh, not at the moment because I'm building a van, but I recently, <laughs> yeah, all the times on that, read a book that I really enjoyed called Red Notice, a true story of high finance murder and one man's fight for justice by Bill Browder. Bill Browder? Yeah, Bill Browder. That was a good page turner. Oh, what is your beverage of choice in the morning and also at night? In the morning, I quite like a warm glass of water with lemon juice in it to start the day, followed by a nice coffee. And I'm also trying to have some collagen powder mixed in water. And in the evening, although I try not to drink from between Monday and Friday, but I do, you know, a glass of red wine um, is, is my choice, my poison. What city has you shedding a tear when you have to leave? Sydney. What's your current Netflix addiction? I don't know if this is on Netflix, but The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is quite fun. And I did watch something, I think that's Netflix, The Handmaid's Tale. That was pretty incredible. Do you have any favorite beauty products that we can find in your bag at any time? I always use a mix of rose water and witch hazel as my toner. And um, as my cleanser, I really like, it's an Australian brand called Sukin. And it's the Sensitive Skin Gel Cleanser. I've used that for years now. And I always have pawpaw ointment or papaya ointment for dry skin or any irritations. Or you can use it as a lip balm. And we always have coconut oil in the bathroom. Who would you love to have a cup of coffee with? Hmm. I would say Michelle Obama would be pretty cool to have a coffee with. Do you live by a belief or a motto? Carpe diem, or seize the day, and maybe magic happens outside your comfort zone. Do you have a celebrity crush? Oh, female, male, uh, maybe Shauna Coxey. She's a climber, though. I don't know if she's a celebrity climber. Ewan McGregor. What song do you currently have on repeat? Um, maybe not a song, but I've been listening a lot to London Grammar, the new album. What is the best gift that you've ever received? A bicycle. And what's the best gift you've ever given? I think one year I bought my friends and family a bunch of goats and water for a village in Africa. What's the last thing you just Googled? Oh, nutritional yeast flakes for and effects for people with allergies. And one last question. What's the greatest life advice that you've ever received? You only have one life, probably. Something along those lines. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay, thanks so much, Irina. We've loved talking to you today. Thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Okay, we're going to be following your journey. <laughs> Thank you. Are you going to be blogging about your um, travels all over the Yeah, I think next I might year? do even like create like a new category on my website called, I don't know, Fridays in the Van or something like that. And I'll, I'll try yes. to document some cool recipes and just different stories and anecdotes from the road. Yeah, we look forward to following that. Okay, well, thank you. Thanks, bye. Hey, Tedra. I loved our conversation with Irina. So you guys, in addition to getting to know our guests, we are hoping our listeners, you guys, want to get to know a little bit about us as well. So, Ted, I'm going to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Tell me what your top three pantry ingredients are. Mm, okay. Right now, you can pretty much find green olives, siete lime tortilla chips. Ditto. They're, 
grain-free. And then also I would say my latest obsession is white balsamic vinegar. And I have probably 12 of those little bottles in my pantry right now that all sorts of flavors, lemon, grapefruit, peach, you name it. And I, I actually can just sip right on them. I love them. <laughs> Yum. Sounds good. Yum. It is good. Okay. So Jade, what about you? So why don't you tell us your favorite beverage of choice? Um, something you like in the morning and then also at night. Oh man, in the morning, it's for sure coffee. And I'm a little snobby about it. I've got my machine, my espresso machine, and then I fresh grind my beans. I make a double shot. And I used to kind of have the latte art 90% nailed down, but I switched to coconut milk. So not quite there yet. And then in the evening, I would say probably just water with lemon, unless it's kind of a special night. And then I'm all about a glass of red wine or two. Mm. Yum. Those are good choices. Standard and good. Yeah. We want to thank you for listening today. And if you like the show, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes and give us a positive review. You can find us at wegettoknow.com where you can sign up for our newsletter and on social media at wegettoknow. Head over to Instagram. We'd love to hear from you and get your opinions on guests and show ideas. Our music today is provided by the talented Blake Atwell of Studio 1916 of Austin, Texas. Until next time, you guys, take care as we continue to get to know all of our favorite influencers and bloggers.